We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. We've got a number of topics to dive into today, including an injury report for tonight's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll talk a bit about the trade market. We need to chat about Patrick Beverly, his shooting woes. Take a peek at the standings and a lot more. Before we dive into everything, make sure that you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. You guys know what time of season we're getting into. We're getting into trade talks. Make sure you stay in the know. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and turn on notifications. All right, let's get into the first topic of the day, and that is an injury update for tonight's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Some good news, some bad news. Let's start with the good news. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, both probable for tonight's game. LeBron sat out last game against the Toronto Raptors, managing that ankle injury, and then Anthony Davis has been sick. That's why we only saw him for eight minutes against the Cleveland Cavaliers and then did not play second night of back-to-back against the Toronto Raptors. Both losses for the Lakers, but both of them should be in action tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. An important one for the Lakers, because if you can win this game against the 76ers tonight, which, look, is no easy task, but Philadelphia hasn't been quite as good as we expected them to be. But if you could pull off a win here tonight against the 76ers, you finish off the road trip with Detroit, which should be a win. You never know in the NBA. But if you can do that and get wins in your final two games of the road trip, that would mean it would be a four and two trip for the Lakers, and you will absolutely take that. Now, on the downside, you've got Juan Toscano Anderson and Wenyan Gabriel both still out of action. Wenyan probably going to be a little while longer, at least through the end of the road trip. He's dealing with that shoulder injury, and then Juan Toscano Anderson, ankle injury. He's going to be out at least a few weeks dealing with that. Got an opportunity to start against the Raptors and the Lakers. Their lack of wings is troubling. I mean, look, Darvin Ham after the game talked about how the Raptors had all these guys on the floor said at one point he looked up and Gary Trent Jr., who's 6'5", 6'6", was the smallest guy on the floor for the Raptors. And that's hard to compete with when you're a Lakers team that is so guard heavy. We've talked about this since the summer, how imbalanced this roster is, how they've got way too many guards. They don't have the big wings that you need for success in the modern NBA and how eventually they're going to have to make a trade. Now, we will talk more about the trade front in just a moment. But look, JTA wasn't a major part of the rotation anyway. 
but still he's coming from that position that you simply can't lose. You don't have a lot of depth there. It's Troy Brown Jr., JTA, LeBron, AD. They sure, certainly help, but no Wenyan Gabriel as well. The Lakers just don't have a lot of size, and that means we're going to see even more guard-heavy lineups out there for LA for the time being. Now, Patrick Beverly, not even listed on the injury report, which means he should be back in action for the Lakers. And let's talk a little bit about Patrick Beverly. This, this is... If you've watched any games, you've seen what's been going on. Patrick Beverly, his shooting woes are noticeable. They're a big problem. Uh, but I, I think that we may not even understand just how bad he has been shooting the basketball. This is a guy who, for his career, for his career, is a 41% shooter from the field. For his career. Not a great shooter by any means, right? I mean, he's not a guy who's you know extremely efficient. For the season, he's shooting... 27% from the field, career 41%, 27% from the field, from three, career 37%. That's the number Lakers fans really cared about. 37% from three for his career, that's good. And on this team, that's great. You'll take that. This The Lakers are not a good three-point shooting team. The Lakers needed Patrick Beverly to come in and be a three and D guard, defend, knock in threes. Guess what? He's shooting 22% from three this season to underscore how bad it's been with his shooting. Listen to this. LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on the season combined have a total of 278 assists. 278 assists already this season for LeBron James and Russell Westbrook combined. Five of them have come from passes thrown to Patrick Beverly. How crazy is that? 278 assists. And Patrick Beverly, who is playing over 26 minutes per game on average, has only resulted in five assists for LeBron James and Russell Westbrook. Remember, this was supposed to be LeBron, Russ, AD, kicking the ball out to Patrick Beverly, who's going to be wide open behind the arc, and that 37% three-point shooting for his career is going to come in handy, and he's going to knock in a three most nights. Maybe he'll knock in two some nights, but he was going to be a consistent contributor behind the arc. He's just not getting that done. At this point, he's made 23 shots on the season. In 18 games played, he's making just barely over one shot per game despite being on the floor for over 26 minutes. So what does all this mean for the Lakers, for Patrick Beverly, for the trade market, everything else? So Patrick Beverly's offense, on one hand, it's been so bad. And you look at his career averages and you think, man, there's got to be whether you want to call it positive regression, progression to the mean, whatever, just, just call it regression to the mean, they should get better, right? They should get better because on his career, he's not a great shooter, but he's not this bad. This reminds me of like when we looked at the Lakers, the first five games or whatever of the season, and they were shooting historically poorly from, th from three, like 21% from three. And we said they're a bad three-point shooting team, but they're not this bad. The numbers should come around. And they did. They have. They've come back around the Lakers, no longer the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA. They're not a good three-point shooting team, but they're not that bad. The numbers would suggest that ultimately Patrick Beverly's numbers should come around, but now our sample size is getting bigger game after game after game, and the numbers just don't seem to be getting better. And so you then have to wonder, now that Patrick Beverly's 34 years old, is he, is he just hitting a point where he just can't get it done and on the trade market, that might matter for the Lakers. Look, he's a big $13 million expiring contract, but the hope would be that you could trade him to a team that would also want to play him, that would want to put him out on the floor. And when he's shooting this poorly, that's going to be 
a really tough sell. He's going to have to be presented as just a $13 million expiring contract, and that's about it right now. Now, defensively, he's still doing some good things, but if you've seen games recently, you've seen what teams have been doing defensively. In fact, the Cavs, Anthony Davis played eight minutes against Cleveland, took zero shots. Now, he was sick. Maybe that was a factor in that, but if you watch the Cavs' defense in that game, what did they do? They essentially defended four players. They did not defend Patrick Beverly. They had Patrick Beverly's man go and deny the pass into Anthony Davis every single time, and they were perfectly content with completely leaving him and just ignoring him behind the three-point arc, especially we've seen this strategy a little bit, a lot more last season with Russell Westbrook as well, but Beverly is shooting so poorly that it's caught the attention of other NBA teams, and now what they're doing is they're using that against the Lakers when they're plotting out their defensive strategy. They're using Patrick Beverly's presence on the floor as a way to stop the ball from getting to Anthony Davis. That's a huge problem. That is a massive problem on the offensive end of the floor because we know how dominant Anthony Davis has been. So Patrick Beverly, if teams are going to be able to do this and when the ball is swung to Pat and he gets an open three, if he can't knock those down. And again, I think there will be improvements coming soon, but I think that's going to create more of a problem for getting the ball to Anthony Davis whenever Pat is on the floor with him, which has certainly got to be frustrating for the Lakers because one of the benefits of Patrick Beverly was he slotted in perfectly as a guy to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis because he was going to shoot well enough from three and he was going to do the dirty work on the defensive end of the floor and his shooting has just been so bad that the Lakers may hit a point where they can't put him on the floor with Anthony Davis because it makes it that much harder to get the ball to AD because Pat's defender is going to essentially just double Anthony Davis the entire possession and ignore Patrick Beverly. Something to keep an eye on. And again, on the trade front, the Lakers are probably just going to have to present Pat as an expiring contract and that's about it. Speaking of the trade front, December 15th is getting closer. This is not the start of trade season. This doesn't mean that suddenly the floodgates are open and there's going to be a ton of trades. Trades could happen right now. They can happen at this moment. But what happens on December 15th is most of the guys who were signed last summer become trade eligible. So that puts more players onto the market, creates more possibilities, more combinations you can put together in terms of matching salaries and making a trade legal in the NBA. And so usually that date, December 15th, marks the unofficial start of the NBA's trade season. Now for the Lakers specifically, this means December 15th, they will be able to trade Lonnie Walker, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, Juan Toscano Anderson, Troy Brown Jr. Those are the players that are not currently eligible that will become eligible as of that date. So when we look at the Lakers potential trades and we talk about them maybe stacking up a few minimum salaries or something like that in order to go get a player, maybe it's a Cam Reddish. Maybe you need to add a minimum salary to Patrick Beverly to get the total number up high enough or it's Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and a minimum player. That's where this could come into play. Again, these guys becoming trade eligible on December 15th. Once again, I'm not expecting a trade to go down December 15th. But that's just when these guys become trade eligible and a bunch of other players around the league do too. I think the bigger factor on the trade market is just teams waiting to see where they really are in the standings and what they've got and what they don't got. I mean, this is a situation where teams have to evaluate where they're really at. And right now, it just doesn't look like there's that many teams that are going to be selling off talent right now. In fact, there's going to be a lot more teams going for it and trying to buy talent. 
which could present a challenge for a Lakers team that's looking for very specific things on the market. Talked about their lack of big wings. They definitely don't need guards right now. So out there on the market, the Lakers are going to be looking for big wings who can shoot, who can defend multiple positions. Pretty much every team is going to be looking for those things. So much easier said than done in terms of finding those guys. But nonetheless, December 15th coming up, those five Lakers will become trade eligible. I also think it's worth noting Lonnie Walker becoming trade eligible. The Lakers just went through this situation last season with Malik Monk, who outperformed expectations, was uh, was a, a major value on a minimum deal. Now, Lonnie Walker isn't on a minimum deal, but uh, but Malik Monk, we knew all season that keeping him was going to be very difficult. Hanging on to Malik Monk was going to be tough because the Lakers weren't over the cap team. The most they were going to be able to offer was a taxpayer mid-level exception, which is just over $6 million. They weren't able to get Malik Monk to stay for that because the Kings just offered way more money than the Lakers could. So the Lakers found this great talent, got him on a bargain deal, but they were only able to sign him for one year. And that meant you're not going to accumulate his bird rights or anything like that. And that meant that they were priced out of the market to retain their own player. We could be living the same situation all over again. It's Groundhog Day with Lonnie Walker. Lonnie has been playing extremely well for the Lakers. He's had a couple of rough games recently shooting the ball. But on the season, he's been great. He's outperformed his taxpayer mid-level exception contract. But once again, the Lakers only signed him to a one-year deal, which allows him to rehab his value in the spotlight in L.A., and then hit the market of free agency this coming summer. If the Lakers make a move here, if they make a trade where they bring in future salaries, which I think most likely they're going to have to, I mean, that's one of the things the Lakers can offer. Is they can offer to take on salary in future years, next season and beyond in a trade, in addition to potentially draft capital. That's kind of one of the benefits of having expiring contracts to trade. Patrick Beverly, if you're trading Pat for another expiring contract that doesn't present a lot of value to the team that you're trading with, then you can say you add in a first or something or a second round pick or whatever, but you can add extra value to the deal if you're willing to take back players who have multi-year contracts. But if you do that, then you eat into your cap room for next year, which might make it that much harder to retain Lonnie Walker. So I would imagine the Lakers would like to keep Lonnie Walker. He's a young player. He showed very well so far for the Lakers this season, but Keeping him may get a little tricky. And if the Lakers are looking at a situation where they're going to make a trade that's going to bring in salary, and then they're going to have some tough decisions to make with Lonnie, they might want to at least listen to what's out there on the market. Now, again, I think if there is a way to keep him, you may have a long-term piece here in Lonnie Walker. So I'm not saying you just go out there and trade him just because you're afraid of losing him or whatever. If you believe that you can keep him and you might have to use your mid-level exception next summer to do it, that's fine. He's a good player. He's somebody that is young enough to be part of your future moving forward for the next decade, potentially. So you don't want to give that away lightly. But if you feel like you're going to be priced out and you're not going to be able to hang on to him, you may want to find out what's out there on the market for him and see if you can get a deal done rather than watch him walk away for nothing the same way they had to with Malik Monk this last summer. Again, nothing against Lonnie Walker. This is just about asset management if you are the Los Angeles Lakers. Once again, the preference would be to hang on to Lonnie Walker. And if there's a path towards doing that, then I think that's the route you choose. But if you think there's not, it's at least worth exploring. All right, let's talk a little bit about the standings and where the Lakers currently sit. Um, I'm going to, for those of you watching on the YouTube channel, I'm going to put it up right now on the screen, the current standings in the NBA. Uh, podcast listeners, here's where we're at. Currently, the New Orleans Pelicans are sitting in the one seed. That is awful. That's terrible news for the Lakers because... 
Well, we all know the infamous pick swap. The Pelicans have the right to swap draft picks, first round picks with the Lakers. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played. This doesn't mean the Pelicans are going to finish in the number one seed. But if they do, then that means they're probably giving the Lakers, I mean, depending on how the East is looking, like the 28th pick, the 29th pick, so, something like that, if they continue to be this good. And the Lakers could be giving up, I mean, right now, would, would be a lottery pick. That is not the ideal situation. After them, though, it's the Phoenix Suns, Memphis Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets, Sacramento Kings in the five seat, also a problem. Look at the five and six, Sacramento Kings and Utah Jazz, two teams that we thought the Lakers would probably be better than this season, and they're currently the five and six seed in the Western Conference. That's a problem because the West is so tight already. If two of the teams that we were looking at as being bad teams, as being non-playoff teams, have reversed that, and they're suddenly good teams, that makes it that much more difficult for the Lakers to get into the playoffs. At the seventh seed, you've got the Dallas Mavericks. Eight seed is the Portland Trailblazers. Nine seed is the Clippers, who, by the way, are on a two-game losing streak, lost to Orlando and Miami back-to-back. Way to go, Florida. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are sitting in the 10 seed. Looks like they're starting to figure things out a little bit. They lost their last couple of games. Minnesota Timberwolves are 500, and then they are, they are the 11 seed. That is unfortunate. The 500 team in the Western Conference, 12 and 12, is not even, it's not that they're not in the playoffs. They're not even in the play-in. This was the thing for years. For years, we looked at the East and we looked at the West and we said, oh my gosh, you've got, you've got above 500 teams in the West that aren't even making the playoffs. And then you've got way below 500 teams in the East that are making the playoffs because the East is terrible. The West is really good. And it's so unfair and, and all of that. And we need to just seed one through 16 and, and get rid of all this conference stuff and, and all of that. Now you've added the play in, which makes it that much easier. You've got two more teams now that are at least part of the playoff process that they're in the play in tournament. And Minnesota is sitting here at 500 and they're the 11 seed. They're not even in the play in tournament. Just goes to show you how ridiculous the West is. And once again, it's made even more difficult by the Kings and the Jazz having success this year. After that, you've got the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, again, organizationally, they're tanking, but they keep winning games. I mean, they're at 11 and 14 right now. The Lakers at 10 and 14 currently, sitting in 13th. San Antonio and Houston, well behind everybody else. Um, they are sitting in the 14th and 15th seed in the West right now. The bad part about the West, as it currently stands, is that you've got a lot of teams, essentially three teams that are, are winning games, that are not even in the play-in in the West. Not even play-in, not top 10 in the West. And there's teams that are winning games. The Thunder, uh, again, organizationally, I think they're tanking, but they're still finding ways to win games. SGA, Shane Gildas Alexander, he's just that good. The Lakers sitting in 13th seed, um, that's the bad part. That's the bad part is that even if the Thunder eventually, you know, maybe they make some trades or, or whatever, and they kind of start to fall off as the season goes on, that's possible. Even if that's the case, you're going to have two teams in the West at minimum who are good teams, who are attempting to win or project to be good teams anyway, who are doing everything they can to win, who aren't even going to make the play-in. Two teams aren't even going to make the play-in in the West. That's the bad part. Here's the good part. Here's the good part about the West. The Lakers are in 13th place and they're six games back from first from first, they're six games back from first place. They are three games back from 
a playoff spot, three and a half games back from a playoff spot, not a play-in spot, a playoff spot. The sixth seed is right there, three and a half games back. Take a peek at the Eastern Conference. In the East, the difference between the one and the four seed, the four seed Brooklyn Nets are seven games back of the one seed. Disgustingly, the Boston Celtics are the one seed. Ain't having to say that. They've been they've been fantastic this year, obviously. But the Brooklyn Nets are the four seed, and they're seven games back of first overall. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, go down to the West. The 13th seed is closer to the one seed in the West than the four seed is to the one seed in the East. The West is cannibalizing itself. And we thought this was going to happen. I talked about this about a bunch going into the season, that the West was going to have so much depth that a lot of these teams were just going to be beating up on each other and it might create a very condensed and very close race. That's what we're seeing. So why is that good? It's good because there's a lot of mobility here. There's a lot of upward mobility. You go on a win streak and you can move up quickly because everything is so compact. So what that means is there's even more incentive for a team like the Lakers to go out there, get a deal done, make something happen, improve your team, and know that there is real upward mobility in the standings. If you're in the East and you're sitting in 13th, let's go back and look at that for a second. If you're in the East and you're sitting in 13th place right now, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, you are 13 and a half games back from the one seed, right? Just from, from the one seed. That's how far you are. You're four and a half games back of the 10 seed of a play-in spot. Four and a half games back already. That doesn't give you much of a shot to move up knowing how far you have to go if you're the 13th seed. If you're the Lakers, You've got plenty of options here. You've got plenty of opportunity to move. I mean, you're two games back of a play-in spot right now. And again, you can move all the way up out of even the play-in tournament and you can get yourself into the playoffs. So there's a lot of incentive beyond just, hey, Anthony Davis is having a great season. Anthony Davis looks like an MVP candidate. This team's starting to find its way. They're starting to click. All of those being reasons why you should want to make a move, why you should want to add firepower to this team, why you should want to help this team be as good as they possibly can, add in the fact that the way the Western Conference is playing out means if you do make a move and you do get better, you've got a really good shot of moving up in the Western Conference if you can get give yourself an edge over some of the rest of these teams. Now, 
Unfortunately, the Lakers aren't the only team to see, to see this, obviously, in the Western Conference. A lot of these teams are going to be thinking the same thing. There's going to be a lot of teams thinking, maybe we're just a move away. And I do wonder if that's going to create a seller's market this season on the trade front. Because what you've got now is you've got five teams, maybe, that are sellers on the market right now. And a bunch of teams that feel like they're not that far off from really making a push. So there's not that many quality players on the market because you're talking about the bottom of the barrel teams that are going to be selling off talent they're bottom of the barrel for the reason they don't have a ton of great players to really offer up so the supply of talented players on the market is going to be really low the demand is going to be high simple economics what happens when supply is low and demand is high price goes up that's the way it goes so the trade market could be difficult but again some positivity there's a ton of upward mobility here for the Lakers. If they can get on any kind of a sustained run, they can make a move, add some wing presence, add some size, add some shooting. You get the pieces that you need, and off you go if you're willing to sacrifice those future first-round picks as well as some expiring contracts, whether it's Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, vet, vet minimum deals, Russell Westbrook, whatever it is. If you can make this team better, there's real opportunity here. All is not lost. You've got a chance to move up and get yourself firmly into the play-in mix, but you got to improve the team in order to get there, and that's going to fall on the shoulders of Rob Palenka and the Lakers' front office. Okay, last thing I want to take a look at is the Lakers' schedule coming up so we get an idea of what's ahead here tonight. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, I think potentially you could have an opportunity to get a win there. The 76ers haven't been quite as good as we were thinking they're going to be heading into the season. Currently, Philadelphia sitting in the eighth seed. They're a 500 team right now in the Eastern Conference. Uh, not as banged up as they were just a week and a half ago. Joel Embiid, James Harden should be out there. No Tyrese Maxey for them, though. So that is a bit of a blow to the Philadelphia 76ers. I've said it before, though. Man, this, this road trip. If this had come a week and a half ago, rather than right now, the Lakers would have gotten the, the Bucks without Chris Middleton. You would have gotten the Cavaliers without Jared Allen. Uh, you would have seen the Toronto Raptors without Pascal Siakam, and you would have seen the 76ers without Joel Embiid, without James Harden, without Tyrese Maxey. You would have missed seeing a number of high-level players. Uh, just unfortunate draw of the Lakers' schedule and also happened to coincide with an Anthony Davis illness, which at least cost you maybe cost you both these games against the Cavs and the Raptors. Can't say for sure that they would have won those games or not, but certainly would have been. Uh, more competitive in both of those had AD played. But nonetheless, the schedule. You've got the Philadelphia 76ers tonight. You've got the Detroit Pistons coming up on Sunday. That is a must win to me. The Pistons game, that's the must win because you can't afford to fumble away the, the wins that are presented to you. The games where if you go out there and you play at your best, you play 100%, you know you're going to win every time if you just play at your best, if you give it your full effort. Well, you have to take advantage of those because there's some teams like the next game on Tuesday against the Boston Celtics. The Lakers may be at their very best and the way Boston is playing right now, it might not matter. You, you might not get the win there. So you have to lock up the wins that you know you can get if you go out there and you give 100% and you're focused and you're sharp and you're on the ball. So Philadelphia 76ers, Detroit Pistons, then Boston Celtics. Then you've got the Denver Nuggets. So there's two tough games there. You do get a couple of days off between Tuesday and Friday. They're Boston Celtics on Tuesday, December 13th. The Denver Nuggets on Friday, December 16th. Then the Wizards. The Wizards on Sunday. That becomes the must win because, again, look at this schedule. The Celtics, the Nuggets, the Suns, all tough games. You've got the Wizards sandwich in there. 
Take advantage of that one. You must get a win there. Uh, the Lakers just beat the Wizards in their house uh, a few days ago. Now you got to beat them in L.A. Then you get a game on the 21st, Wednesday, against the Sacramento Kings. Again, you're getting a day off between. It's a, it's a road game in this case. You have the Phoenix Suns on the road as well, so a mini road trip. You go uh, Washington, and then Phoenix is the second night of a back-to-back. I'm, I'm putting most of my focus on Washington in that game. Phoenix can be beaten. Not saying that they can't, but the Washington game is the win that you have to get in this case. If you beat Phoenix, great. That's fantastic. But you got to beat the Wizards. Then you have Sacramento coming up. Would be beneficial to beat Sacramento, one of those teams that you're going to be competing with for playoff seating. So it would be really nice to get that win there. Then you have the Charlotte Hornets. That's another must win to me. This is a team that's been really struggling. Got to be able to beat the Hornets on the 23rd. And then, of course, Christmas Day, you get the Dallas Mavericks. Should be a fun matchup. You're on the road, though, for it uh, against the Mavs on Christmas Day. Luka versus LeBron should be a lot of fun. This is a winnable game for the Lakers and would be great to make it a Merry Christmas in L.A. with the Lakers win. Let's finish out the month here. The Orlando Magic, that's a must win. That's another one of those. You go out there, you're given 100%. You should win that game. Then you get Wednesday, the Miami Heat, second night of a back-to-back. Same trip the Clippers just made. The Clippers went 0-2 on that trip. Would certainly help if the Lakers went 2-0. Would help them in the standings in terms of trying to pass up the Clippers at some point. And then to finish out the month, you get the Atlanta Hawks. Won't be an easy game in that one either. DeJounte Murray, though, did suffer an, suffer an ankle injury. Um, I don't. He could be back right around then. Let's face it. It seems like the Lakers, every single player who's been hurt, comes back for the Lakers game. So I would I just circle that date, December 30th. I would imagine that's probably when DeJounte Murray is going to wind up coming back because that's right about when the timeline would put him back in action. But that's the end of the month for the Lakers. There's a number of winnable games, but there's some really tough ones as well. So we're going to find out what this team is made of. Maybe there's an opportunity to pull off a trade somewhere in there and add some firepower and then help them pick up some wins that they might not get otherwise. But Lakers Nation, let me know your thoughts on the upcoming schedule, on the trade market, where the Lakers currently sit in the standings. How are we feeling at this point? Will the purple and gold make a push up the standings? The opportunity is there, but you got to win games to get it done. And December is not easy. There's going to be a number of difficult games coming up. Can the Lakers sneak in a few wins they might not get otherwise while still making sure they take care of business and all those winnable games against teams like the Orlando Magic, the Washington Wizards, those must wins? Are they going to be able to get the job done there? And then you got Detroit this coming Sunday. Give me your thoughts in the comment section. If you're over on the Apple podcast side, make sure you leave us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.